Good evening. You are listening to a Rattledium Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And tonight, our favorite show is Foundation on Apple Plus TV, brought to you by the good people at Phantom 4 and Skydance Television. Foundation is an American science fiction streaming show created by David S. Goyer. Yes, that David S. Goyer. You know, the guy that does the DC movies that everyone hates. And Josh Friedman. And it's based on the Foundation series of stories by science fiction writer extraordinaire Isaac Asimov. You know him from the iRobot stuff. It features an ensemble cast by, led by Jared Harris and Lee Pace. It debuted on September 24, 2021. And um, it's already been renewed for a second season. It chronicles the thousand-year saga of the Foundation, a band of exiles who discover that the only way to save the Galactic Empire not that galactic empire. This is a whole other galactic empire. From the, the original. <laughs> from the destruction is to defy it. All right. And joining me, yet her another science fiction extravaganza here is David Wright. How do you do, sir? I'm doing good, thanks. Enjoying the holiday season. Though based on that plot summary, it's pretty obvious that no one working on the show has any understanding of the original book. Did you read... So uh, my understanding actually was that these were published as short stories in like a magazine. Um, so how yeah, much and they were. Go ahead. Yeah, they were later compiled together into a book, and then the series sort of grew from there. Okay, so how much of the of the source material have you read, or are you familiar with? Back in junior high school, I read I read through the first book, and I started into the second, but then kind of fell off there, and I I still haven't gone back to to finish off the series. Having watched the series now and read the books, how much of the first book is in this first season here? I'd say about the first 10 chapters. Okay. So not even the whole book, just part of it. No. Yeah, just part. Okay. Um, just in general, what? Uh, how do you think they did as far as an adaptation? Do you think they got the spirit and tone of the book? Or is this yet another one of these, well, they tried? Yeah, it's definitely in the well, they tried category tell me about the book then what makes the book um so dramatically different from what they attempted here to do with the show okay well probably the biggest thing is there's no genetic dynasty in the book oh god are so, you so serious i am serious like the whole like, thing here <laughs> exactly like, like like i was watching this with my wife mm -hmm. and I, I think i spent like 80 percent of our viewing time just looking at her going this isn't in the book <laughs> did she start but, playing the drinking game with you <laughs> every time no. she took a drink no well that would have, that would have been funny but yeah it's mm -hmm. uh that a lot has been changed and they added a ton of filler to the mm -hmm. story that i thought was sort of unnecessary okay uh, but because like in the original book the idea is like like the first episode is fairly close to the book like they added mm -hmm. some things like the whole 
Skybridge destruction and existence thing and introducing the genetic dynasty. But mm-hmm. it, it's, it starts off the same, like Harry Seldon is put on trial on Trantor for saying the Empire is going to fall in five cent, within five centuries. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they think he's trying to bring about the end of the Empire. And he says, no, 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 it's just, it's going to fall. It's like mathematically certain. My mm-hmm. goal is to reduce the Dark Age following the collapse of the Empire to as little as possible by getting a bunch of nerds together and writing an encyclopedia on the at the ass end of the universe. So was Isaac Asimov purposely trying to take the collapse of Rome and make it into a science fiction story? Possibly, that's but I guess basically what happened. Yeah, though that's a, such a small part of the book. Like we don't even mm-hmm. really see the empire collapse. It's it's more done off screen. It's like once once they're done with the trial, then they move to Terminus, the Foundation's mm-hmm. planet. And pretty much from then on, it's from Terminus's perspective okay. so of this, the Foundation. So the series deals with the, you know, uh, Harry Seldon, who is played by, I just had his name. Um, uh, Jared, Jared Harris. Harris. Great casting, Basically. by the way. Yeah, no, uh, excellent casting. I have to look, the performances and the costume design and some of the cinematography is really top-notch in the show. Oh, they Apple... Yeah, yeah, they, they, they did not spend. Yes, and it, and it and it shows. Unfortunately, not in the script. No, um, that that is definitely something we need to talk about. And for those of you who've heard our TV parties before, this is going to be yet another one of these where we talk for an hour. I look at the clock and go, "We're done now. Uh, <laughs> we're not going episode by episode because yeah. my brain will start to ooze out of my head." But um, one of the things that the show deals with basically is, you know, Harry goes before the uh, the the, the uh, emperor. And says, look, there's no stopping this. The, the damage has been done. The decisions have been made. At this point, we're just here. To, we're, we, I'm telling you the train is coming. There's yeah, there's no too much momentum. Right. Yeah. Um, all we can do is make sure we have a library, essentially, with all of our knowledge, so that when it, after it does happen, we don't forget how electricity works. Pretty you know? much. Um, which, again, is kind of what happened uh, and the other part of the world after the Roman Empire, if you're ever into reading about that, that basically like they burned the libraries and destroyed the roads and everything was disconnected and you know a hundred years of darkness or you know yeah. that that and I don't know if you noticed or not, but I read this in a uh, in a whole other science book. We um, I think the Dark Age like there was almost another ice age during that period. It, the Earth has gotten so cold. Yeah, but yeah, it was, I think the many of the Islamic countries actually mm-hmm. main, held on to a lot of the Roman knowledge right. and actually kept it until the the, right. refer, the Renaissance and yeah, we had this whole like in you know balance where you know the re- the rest of the world was kind of wa- uh, weathering through, but Europe was you know a cave, um, <laughs> people barely able to get fire going. In any case, I did right, uh, but that's essentially what he's what Harry is saying, and they're like maybe you need to go. And so they, they kick him off the Terminus. Um, there's this whole thing with him and his uh, adept, his um, person that, uh, I can't remember what her name is, but she- but uh, Gail Dornick. She solved the math problem and she, and, and she like supports what he's saying. And they're like, yeah, both of you, off you go. And then it's and then it's somewhat chronicling their journey to Terminus. Um, then we kind of shift over to what's happening on Terminus and that whole thing. And as you can see in the graphic I put up, there's this like spire that's hanging out that produces this field where anyone that tries to approach it collapses and no one knows why, except for this one character who it doesn't seem to affect. She's somewhat connected to it, and there's a big mystery box there. 
The rest of the show, and the reason why I'm talking about this, the rest of the show deals with Lee Pace, who is basically the emperor, um, like on, on a political mission around the galaxy to try to head this off at the pass. There's a whole like subplot where he goes to this one planet where someone is ascending to some sort of like political religious leadership. And, you know, he wants one person and not the other. And the other person is basically like, you know what the half the problem here is? And this goes to what Harry is saying as well. Um, half the problem is your, uh, your clone dynasty. The fact that there hasn't been change for like a millennia now. It's you just keep cloning the same person over and over, Cleon over and over and over again. And that is 90% of why this empire, whole empire is going to collapse, except that that cloning of this one person is the foundation of this empire. So when you say to me, and this is why I went through all of that, when you say to me, like, yeah, none of that's in the book, I don't understand why they invented it then. What is What in the book is causing is the main reason um, the empire is collapsing? And why do you think they went in this whole other direction at a whole cloth. Yeah, well, in the book, it's more just bloated bureaucracy and corrupt aristocracy. You know, the usual suspects that... Okay. So know, I'm the Empire's, it's, on it. Yeah, it's getting old, sort of too too decadent. Right. You know, ambitions fading. And yeah, it's just, it's starting to, to crumble as empires want okay. to do as part of their cycle. Right. Uh, yeah, and then... Yeah, the the whole premise of the foundation is that we have this uh, this concept of psychohistory, this sort of merging mm. of history, economics, and math, like statistics that can basically predict in broad strokes. It's predictive analysis. It's not that far yeah. off from reality. Yeah, but, but this is really, really, really good. It can't go down to the individual level, but it can right. predict sort of the broad histories is like a uh, 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 best way I could think of explaining it is like, it couldn't tell you that on such and such a date, such and such a time, you know, Archduke Franz Ferdinand would be assassinated on a street corner by Gravillo Princep. What right. it could say is, well, we'll have, you know, increased tensions between States in Europe, increased technological buildup of arms, secret alliances. And There'll it's only going to be a matter that... of time. Yeah. Right. And it's only going to be a matter of time before someone does something stupid and right. there's a big war. And then out of that war, one country will be blamed for it, creating a lot of uh, resentment and a strong man would arise from that under a fascistic system. But like, it couldn't tell you, you know, such a man would be Adolf Hitler and the, right. you know, like and it can't a vegan give you, and a painter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and kill sort of millions of people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so that's sort of the idea of psychohistory. And, mm. but, but it's not just that Harry Sheldon predicts the fall of the empire. It's that he engineers the origins of the foundation to lay well the foundation for like the next galactic empire like like it's not just to build an encyclopedia it is to become the next empire and shorten mm -hmm. the dark age but and and in this incarnation they sort of have him almost trying to accelerate the death of the empire mm -hmm. whereas in the original he's like no like i i have no desire to to accelerate the end of the empire. He views the empire as a good thing. This isn't an evil empire like in Star Wars. In mm -hmm. fact, earlier on in the book, he says like, even if the empire was evil, it would still be better than the coming dark age. Okay. Uh, so it's weird. Like yeah. I can see, I, I can see in the development of this, some sort of, you know, agenda driven machinations. You know, we, we want to talk <laughs> about certain things in the show. Um, you know, we want to, this there having heard heard you say that and kind of reflecting back on the show there definitely seems to be some like internal anger inherent in the subtext 
about like the state of this country. Well, you're not this country, you're Canada. Yeah. Um, the state of the United States and just this feeling of like the smart people should go form their own country, which is not an uncommon thought that's, uh, you know, go on Twitter for an hour and a half and, you know, go find like the left side of Twitter and you'll yeah. find the people who, who, you know, I think even like before the pandemic, there was like, how about the people, the, the anti-Trump people form their own country? You know, <laughs> like well, I, th I think they, there was a graphic that was floating around for a while that it was like, you know, like the top U and part of Canada was all one country. And then like the Midwest and the South was its own country. And it was like Biblevania or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't, um, they, didn't they try that in Seattle? They well, they they definitely created like no uh, no police zones and stuff. It did not work out very well, um, from what I understand. In any case, my point being, like, there is definitely this undercurrent in this show of the smart of the people in charge are dumb. The people in charge have gotten are fat and lazy, and 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 they uh, and they refuse to listen to reason, and they have let this whole thing fall into muck and mire. And so the smart people should just go off and start again somewhere else without them. And it's like, okay, um, I mean, sure. Here's here's my thing with that, and we can get into talking about specific characters. Uh, Day, who is the emperor. Um, there are three emperors. There is Dusk, Day, and Dawn. Dawn is the youngest. Day is like the middle-aged person, and then Dusk is the elder statesman. Again, they're all the they're all the clone of the same guy. And but the one running the day-to-day -day operations of the empire is Day who's played by Lee Pace. And you, I never got the impression that Lee Pace was a bad dude. And that the, I never, I never really got a sense of how the empire got to be in the, in, in the, the state that it was in. Like when we talk about evil empires and stuff. So just, just to do a comparison and contrast, like the empire in star Wars problem with it was, it was a, it was a military dictatorship, non-humanoid, Aliens were made into slaves. They were building warships. You get into some of the extended universe stuff. There's like tax issues, and you know, it's just people can feel the weight of the of the Galactic Empire upon them. Um, George Lucas never did a great job of explaining any of that, but it's all out there in bits and pieces. So you, as an audience member, understand why the rebels are fighting this. Um, not the least of which is they're fighting against slavery and you know whatnot. Yeah, their their ships look like giant knives, and they're <laughs> Soldiers all wear skull helmets. It's pretty obvious who's the good guy, who's the bad guy in this situation. He uses a lot of coding <clears throat> yeah. in Star Wars to kind of make give you the idea that yeah, these are basically space Nazis. Right. Um, I never, and I don't want to get your impressions of this. I never got a, a real good sense of what's wrong with this empire that everyone feels the need to rebel against. What did they do wrong? Like what? what yeah, is the main yeah. Right? It's, it's not that sort of situation. I think one of the problems is. Like the the concept of the Galactic Empire was kind of one of the things Foundation came up with. Mm -hmm. Like that was sort of Asimov's invention. And that inspired George Lucas mm -hmm. with the idea of the Empire in Star Wars. And of course, Star Wars is a huge pop culture phenomenon. So mm -hmm. like I think now we're just attuned to you know, whenever you hear Galactic Empire, you assume it must be some sort of evil fascist dictatorship as opposed to just a really big government. Well, I think also it's funny you bring that up because I think also there there is a concerted effort now to kind of look at what's popular and and un, with the understanding of these were inspired by something else, and so now we have this endless ability to distribute content. Let's let's put all the uh, let's put all the inspired by something else out there. 
you know, the, let's put all the inspiration out there. And so the foundation was at least one of the inspirations for Star Wars. There's an impetus to make make something of that and put it out for people to watch. But again, I go back to what I the show doesn't do a great job of explaining to the viewer, at least not that I could say um, what's what other than a general. Well, that's just the nature of life. Things rise and fall. What all else, you know, what what made this empire so bad? And more to the point, more to the character, I don't know why everyone has such a big, you know, big issue other than he's a clone with Lee Pace's character. Like, what do you think? Yeah, again, the empire was in the books is not depicted as being something evil. It's just bloated and ineffective and right. collapsing. And, right. that, and that is the problem. Like, you know, <laughs> Harry Sheldon says, like, you know, I don't want the Empire to collapse. I'm not happy right. that psychohistory says it will collapse. But, you know, the math is solid. It will collapse. And I'm trying to do something to minimize the damage from right. that. But in the you show, know, they keep insisting it, that, like, you know, the Empire made egregious errors that are no longer able to be corrected. All it can do is crash and burn and start over again. Yeah, again, I think that's, they're just trying to sort of jazz it up. You know, like, mm -hmm. we need the light show, we need the explosion, we need the fire and the tears and the right. drama. I think you said it before, like, the, one of the first things that happens in episode one is a giant terrorism attack where they blow up a, they blow up this ridiculous space bridge. And yeah. that becomes the impetus for, I have the graphic up as my background tonight, where there's a retaliatory attack where they just nuke a planet. Pretty much. Yeah, and and again, that's I think that's more just to do, to do yeah like big action and also to try and mm -hmm. interweave stories together. Like you, we have the attack on the Anacreons, and then we have the Anacreons attacking the Foundation to get revenge for it. Like mm -hmm. in in the books, it's just they're the closest like small fiefdom to the Foundation, and they just they just take it over. They just say, mm -hmm. you know, the Empire's collapsed. They, you know, they they said, yeah, sure, you guys can take care of Terminus. So here we are. You work for us now. Suck it. We have warships. <laughs> you know, and okay. yeah. But in 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 the book, the fascinating mm -hmm. thing is like the foundation involves being conquered. It's like you, know, we're the ones who actually know how to fix all your stuff because we've been writing this encyclopedia. So, like like they get all these old imperial warships, and the foundation mm -hmm. has to fix and maintain them. And then uh, Salvor Hardin, who's the mayor of Terminus at the time, not like mm -hmm. some warden with psychic powers, he says, well, <laughs> you know, he, he kind of takes the Arthur C. Clarke approach of you know, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So he basically turns the foundation's like technicians into priests where, mm -hmm. you know, we, we do the sacred rituals that make the lights turn on and everything go. And when it gets to the point where like the Anacreons and the Foundation have a disagreement. He says, okay, fine. Just turns everything off, says you have blasphemed against the gods, and the population revolts and the Foundation takes over. That sounds Which like is more way more interesting than what happens in the show. <laughs> yeah, beat me to it. Like, sounds like a much more interesting story than anything I got here. Yeah, and then, so like and then it's, at that, it's at that point that the vault opens. In, mm -hmm. in the books, the vault is just like a, a giant glass cube about the size of a small room. Mm -hmm. That has like a 3D recording of Harry Seldon saying, oh, mm -hmm. you know, by now you've probably been taken over by Anacreons, but by creating a false religion around technology, you have been able to control them. And then he gives the whole, you know, pulls the rug out from under them and says, you know, the purpose of the foundation was never to write the encyclopedia. It was to become this next galactic empire. And mm -hmm. then, and in, in the show you have like, you know, uh, Salvar Hardin's mother, like you know, he lied to us. 
know, there was no point in us doing the encyclopedia. It was just busy work. It's like, no, the encyclopedia <laughs> was the first most important step. And in the book, since most of these are like smart, educated people, they go like, oh, we get it. We, you know, we, so now we have to work to use this psychohistory plan to build mm -hmm. the next empire. You know, but again, this is, you know, people have to be emotional and drama instead of, you know, rational adults who understand the situation they are in and the best way out of it. So anything about Lee Pace's character? Yeah, I guess, yeah, about? now's a good time to talk about, like, for all my complaints about what they've done to the Foundation and sort of mm -hmm. put it on the back burner, I have to confess the concept of the genetic dynasty I find mm -hmm. really interesting. Like, it's a neat idea. I think and it then, definitely it definitely comes from I think a great truth about humanity where it's like we found one like if we could like if somebody could have figured out how to clone Barack Obama they would have and we would yeah. have the Obama dynasty currently in the United States. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how that would rate with this. Yeah, it's like Nixon's head in Futurama, right? Well, it says right. no presidential body, and I don't have the same body anymore. <laughs> right. So you get um, robot robot head Nixon it's, as president. The show definitely has a bent against con conservative philosophy. And I don't mean that, like, necessarily the political philosophy. I'm not talking about, like, you know, it has a stand on a board. Yeah, conservatism as in keep things the same, let's not right. innovate, not try anything new. That broad conservatism. Right. Yeah, there, there is an argument that's made that the genetic dynasty is, we, you know, we have this Cleon character. He worked. He was great. We just keep cloning versions of him. And as long as we can continue to do that, there's no reason to change. And Harry Seldon's argument is basically, no, this is exactly what the problem is. Yeah, he, he yeah, clear on the first was the right guy at the right time, but the times have changed, and he, and you know, we need, you know, we need a, we need new blood. We need, you know, a, a, fr a fresh perspective on things and a different character to deal with the the newer issues. <coughs> it. It does. I, I like the philosophical examination of the idea of like cloning. It's like, and, and you just kind of said it like, well, we have this guy. He was perfect. He was the right guy at the right time. So the presumption is, and this, and this is a very sort of like elementary presumption is like, well, if we just keep cloning him, it'll always work as if time doesn't change people or things or the circumstances of time, you know, don't change how that person would respond to certain things. And so what the show deals with in, in very broad strokes is this, you know, we have three different, we have three age different clones. And one of them is like freaking out that he's like genetically different. Like he's got some deformities. He's colorblind. He talks about like his hands don't, this is dead. Yeah, he's like left hand. Out. Yeah. He's like left-handed instead of right-handed. And it's like, and if anyone could find out that I am imperfect and different from my brothers, I'll just die and they'll replace me, which ultimately ends up what happens with him. And you get the sense that Day at his age didn't behave that way. You know, he, he didn't get easily led by some girl in the garden, <laughs> which is what happens to Day. Yeah, well, it's uh, kind of uh, interesting because, like, the, the Day at the start, mm -hmm. you know, he's a different than the Day in the middle of the series or towards the end of the series. Like, right. like the original, like, the, the, the Day at the start, he's, he's kind of a jerk. Like he he's he you know he nukes an entire planet because a couple of people bombed a space bridge, right? You know, and and you, even when you get to the end of the show when he's Brother Dusk, he's still kind mm -hmm. of a jerk about everything. You know, and that's that's one of the I think the problems with the show. I don't know if you were on the last Witcher show, but one of the complaints I had was you never knew when time was shifting. Like, you know, a title card never comes up to tell you in the Witcher 
this is a flashback. This is a flash forward. Yeah. Now we're in the present. This 10 years have gone by. Five years have gone by. This is 20 minutes later. None of that. So there are things happening in The Witcher where I'm like, I have no clue where we are. And it, and it took me the entire series to figure out that there had been such a time shift that when you meet Dusk in the beginning of the show and Day, a couple episodes later, they've moved on. And now the former Day is now Dusk and the prior Dawn is... Ugh. Um, and so everyone's moved on. They're different people now. Um, and you're right. It's, it's, a, it's a great way of keeping the same cast throughout you know, like different <laughs> eras in the, in the show. Well, I, and I, and I want to talk about this really quickly before I forget, I'd hate to go through this whole show and not bring this up again. Lee pace, um, for the majority of the show is made to seem like somebody who is genuinely interested in the, there's a presumption in the writing that he wants to keep power. All people in power want to stay in power. You know, they're rare as the George Washingtons of the world who willingly give up absolute power. You know, he is doing what he needs to do to maintain the genetic dynasty, to maintain power, to prove Harry Seldon wrong that they can keep this train on the track and not go into the ditch. Mm -hmm. But, well, there's an arrogance about him that Lee Pace does very well. And if you don't know who Lee Pace is, if you've, you don't or forgotten, he's one, he's like the elf lord in The Hobbit. And he's great in that role. And he, mm -hmm. there's a lot of that going on here with him here. Um, yeah, I, I think it was I Ronan the Accuser. I, I kept waiting, yeah, Ronan the Accuser. I kept waiting for him to like, tilt his head and see his dragon scars. Um, but there is an air about him of him genuinely. And, and this comes up when he goes to the one planet where he has to walk the salt road. Uh, however long that was. And, you know, he takes he takes off his shield. He takes off his clothes. And he's doing this to prove, you know, to prove a point to the people there. Um, he wants them to keep the faith and be, you know, and, and be behind him. Um, and so he's making kind of like a, a sacrifice. He's showing that he's made of sterner stuff. And it's it's a great series of episodes. And I think it's some it's some great character work for Lee Pace. Um, if you're supposed to be rooting against him, though, it utterly fails there. I'm not really sure what what we're you know. Well, I think I when you get to the or here. Yeah, well, I think when you get to the end, you find out that he he lied about what happened in the cave, like his his holy vision, mm -hmm. to to sort of manipulate events towards, and then that kind of makes him look a bit bad because he's right, you know, he's using deception. But yeah, like what he is doing is he's trying to keep the empire together. He's trying to you know mm -hmm. keep the ship going. Yeah, he he is not nothing that he does is out of any sort of malevolence or ill intent. He's just trying yeah. to do his job, keep the empire going, keep it in one piece. And um. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, like yeah. The the emperors are not really bad people. They're all trying to do what they think is best. You know, even at the start mm -hmm. when they attack the planet, it's to you know make an example to reassure people of the supremacy of the empire. It's just you know it comes back to bite them. You know, in the next generation. Right. So yeah, I, I don't mind that. Like really, what I think is like, and and you can really tell that they've spent a lot of time thinking about how the genetic dynasty works, all the rituals, all the little little details, you know, what happens if there is a defective clone, that kind of stuff. And it, and it's, it's good stuff. And I just kind of wish it was its own show. Yeah. I, we, we've talked about this with other adaptations before where I think so, so they brought this up with, this was brought up with Dune and I've read about it again with regards to the foundation mm -hmm. with some of the, with some of the criticisms, like, a lot of science fiction is deemed unfilmable. 
Like it's just too dense a material. It, it's it's too, you know, I'll, so cerebral. There's yeah. like with Dune, like so much of the story is inside the characters' heads, which is right. difficult to do in in live action. You know, they tried right. to take the life of my son. <laughs> and so with I think with Foundation, I think that was one of the struggles in development was how do we take this thing with which is unwieldy and try to turn it into something somebody might, might actually want to watch. And that's the yep. other problem here is that is that everyone now equates with science fiction with dog, dog fights in space. And boy, is that not this show? No, I, like there's <laughs> well, there's very little action in Foundation, like yeah, mm -hmm. shoot, shooting things. Well, in fact, it's like they have the, the quote from Isaac Asimov, you know, like violence is the last refuge of the incompetent or something like that. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the episode, they solve their problem by shooting someone in the neck with an arrow. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, like, like it was like, again, you see the book and the solution to the problem was, well, we need to outthink our opponent mm -hmm. and use our advantages to counter their advantages. And in the end, they ended up with a nonviolent solution to the problem. I and that was so more interesting than than what they actually did, because, yeah, we need to have you know, kung fu fights on a spaceship. Right. I need to, I, I marvel that a movie like The Martian was ever made. Because, yeah. you know, because that, because, because that was pure science fiction. He solves his mm -hmm. problems using science. Yeah, it's more like <laughs> and, Apollo 13. Right. Where here, there, this is more science philosophy than it is science fiction. Yeah. Like, like the, the, what gets, you interested in foundation is you know how is the foundation going to solve the selden crisis right you know, like what uh, you know what what things has harry selden planted at the beginning of the foundation that will enable them to solve this problem that seems impossible to solve and uh, like a spoiler for what happens later in the books is the foundation starts to become full of itself it's like you know we've got psychohistory on our side any problem we have a you know a, a predestined solution to it and then one time, like, because sort of every anniversary of the foundation, the vault opens and the recording of Selden will say, you know, oh, this is where you're at now and this is how you solve your problem. But one time he comes on and he gives a completely different set of circumstances and they're like, oh, crap. Like, did we mess up? Yeah. But, that, <laughs> but then you have the. One. Yeah. But then there's the other side who's going, well, maybe they, he predicted that we would become full of ourselves and that, you know, the recording was a lie to manipulate us into some other thing you know and there's even like you know should we even be dis should we even research psychohistory in the foundation itself you know will that implement you know have problems with the plan and mm -hmm. you know there's like a you know a, a character called the mule who's sort of like an individual who does mess up the plan and stuff like that so you know, like he plays around with this concept of psychohistory and the effects of it really good and that's the sort of interesting meat of the show it's or yeah. of the, the, the book. It's not so much a deep character study of the emotions and philosophies mm -hmm. of the characters involved. I mean, they're all trying to figure out, you know, what's my place in this whole grand plan and am I doing what I'm supposed to and you know that kind of stuff. But again, yeah. like it's, it's all big picture stuff. And like what makes the book, what made the book so hard to film is, is this is a story that spans like a galaxy and a millennia. You know, like right. it's, it's a multi-generational story. Like Harry Silden and Gail Dornick, they're gone after chapter 10. Like mm -hmm. we just have recordings of Selden and Gail Dornick, you know, he dies in the book, like just of old age. Mm -hmm. And then it's a completely different generation, you know, and it's, you know, starting in the next chapter of, you know, like the first 50 years after the foundation has been established. And then we, you know, we keep jumping in time forward from there. So to do that in a movie, 
that's difficult. But in a streaming show, well, that's easy because you can just have different cast per episode. You could do it like an anthology series. You could do it like The Crown. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so you and you could just sort of have like, you know, okay, you know, now we're jumping a hundred years into the future from this point. Maybe even do a little time time lapse mm -hmm. thing. So I'm kind of baffled how they just chose the most <laughs> the worst way of adapting that that ignores yeah. all the advantages of the long form streaming format. Where it's like you know, we have to drag out the reveal of the foundation's purpose until the last episode. Right. You know, and even then. You know, not even have it be like a clever solution. She's like, oh, you're all here. Well, great. You know, that means things are working. And oh, by the way, you know, you, your people shouldn't be enemies because, you know, the emperor secretly assassinated your king and queen after they got married way back in the day. And no one asks, uh, you know, how do you know this? Like, right. they just, they just, you know, it's like, okay, Harry, Harry Seldon's ghost said it. So, uh, you know, so it must, so be, must true. be true. Yeah. Sorry. I'm jumping around a lot here, but no, you know, you're I, fine. I, I all right, and, and, so before, so we got to talk about, we do have to talk about yeah. Gail Dornick and Salvar Harden, and boy, do I have things to say about that. But before we do, so we can so we can take a proper time out here and then shift focus, um, I want to talk about Grammarly. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors. Improving your vocabulary and suggesting style improvements. Download Grammarly today. Go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, it's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. Okay. I got to talk immediately about uh, uh, Leah Harvey, who plays Salvar Harden. Uh, sorry. Lou, Lou LaBelle as Gail Dornick, Han, Harry's protege and self-taught young woman from a planet where the pursuit of knowledge is considered heresy. My also God. not in the book. It was just the name of the planet the guy was from. <laughs> okay. It was just a mathematician hired to to join like Harry Seldon's university. Boy, team. they gave her a lot to do. They gave they eventually will, will give her superpowers where she has like premonitions or whatever. Yeah, I mean psychic abilities do show up more into the later uh, mm -hmm. the last foundation book, but the, so they're kind of jumping the gun on that as well as showing a bit of the second foundation being established. I'll, I'll just say because you seem very excited and need and, and have stuff to talk about here. So no, 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 you can keep keep going. Yeah. I, I got I got to get out this one complaint. There is an mm -hmm. episode where she finds like a virtual uh, version of Har Harry's murdered. He's stabbed by his adopted son. And yeah, then in she, the book, he just dies of old age. Yeah, and then she like jettisons him out the airlock like he's a xenomorph, um, if I remember correctly. And uh, she ends up on a ship later on and where she finds a recording of Harry. And they go through, over the course of this one or two episodes, this long, seemingly endless conversation where, she, where at the end of it, She's just utterly unraveled. She's just like hitting something with it, you know, with a with an axe or a bat or I don't remember yeah. what it was. But she just completely comes comes unglued. And I tell you, David, like in a very very general way, I was I, I liked a lot of what I saw. Like I said, some great performances, some great line deliveries, cinematography in certain places. Though this is yet another future where everyone lives on a desert planet. Why no one lives in anything lush or green. Why everyone has to live on dead planets in the future, I have no idea. But um, well, there's a reason that, for, for for Terminus <laughs> being the way it is. Sure, um, but I, I just why is Blade Runner the only the only future where, where someone's in a city? Anyway, um, I'm getting because yeah because the writers are upset that the person they didn't want to vote for 
you know, won the election, therefore we live in a terrible hellscape, and now the future has to show that too. You know, even Star Trek, like the the mm. utopian future, is now everyone's depressed about how much it sucks now because everyone's racist. Terrific. Um, no, it, I'm guessing that's Discovery. Uh, Discovery, Picard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, Picard. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to do season two. Anyway, yep. um, that is an interminable conversation, and it's. Look, I'm kind of 50-50 on this show. There were great there were things I really liked about it. There are things I'm gonna enjoy talking about when we get to season two. But there are also parts of this that are interminable and exhausting. And you know, her listening to Harry sort of reasonably explain to her a variety of different things and why he manipulated things the way that he she didn't. She finally just having enough of the old white man and nearing the tears, feeling the need to then go on a destructive rampage. I was like can we be done with this character? That's a lot of this for me, is that there were interesting characters like Lee Pace and Harry, then they were utterly dull and annoying. And I hate to, this to make this complaint because we've made it before with other stuff. It's just there's always a, like a female character that's just sick of the men. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and just tired of it. We're tired of it. Well, did, did you like the scene when the inaccurate huntress tells the mayor of the foundation that all their women are smarter than their men? Yeah, sure. Per terrific. This isn't agenda driven at all. A except that, like I said, like I'm open and willing to hear some of that if it's written well. She's not written well. She's just written as like, like, well, she's clearly better than than Harry because she's a young woman and not for any other reason. And I'm like, this is some piss poor writing. Yeah, and they even the way they try to make Harry sound like a religious figure, which he's mm -hmm. not. Like nobody right. worships Harry Sheldon. He's respected because he was that you know good at his job. Right. But but you know like they understand that psychohistory is 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 mathematics. It is a science. It, you know, he's not a prophet. He's he's a scientist with like really good statistical analysis. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, yeah. Like uh, I think a lot of the problem is it's sort of like Robert shared that video in the group chat way back about you know why mm -hmm. mo movies suck now because they're written by children. Right. And there's this sort of line where. You know, it used to be your your heroes were like you know mature, rational adults who tried mm -hmm. to analyze the situation and come up with you know the the best possible solution and then try it. Now everyone runs around like they're a bunch of you know stupid liberal arts students, you know, <laughs> working out their therapy issues. Yeah, and like not much offense to liberal arts students, but it's kind of like that. Like you have this you know the, these scientists being written by millennial art students. Mm. Who just cannot understand the thought process, like right. you know, like 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 Gail Dornick when Harry explained, you know, the empire is falling, <laughs> quantillions of people are going to die horrible deaths for the next thirty millennia. So setting stuff up and manipulating the situation right now will shorten that from thirty thousand years to one thousand years. So this is what we're going to do, like. Our individual people right now are insignificant in the overall plan. And Gail would have gone like, "I get what you're saying. I understand." Right. You know, I like these. These are these are scientists. These are intellectuals. You know, they understand the the great importance of the foundation. Right. And there's and a like, lot but, of but what about my feelings? I'm not right. feeling validated enough. But you give me more attention, Dad. Give me more attention. What about what I want to do? Yeah, there's a lot of characters reacting in this show to to what's happening. Like, yeah. stop yes, telling me I have to go to work. Tell me how special I am. Yeah, but my feelings are hurt. And what about me in this situation? It's like, 
It's a problem slightly bigger than you. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm at the center of this. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If, if you think that's bad, you will really not like Star Trek Discovery. I don't ever intend to watch it. I just I yeah. can't. It's, uh... I'm, I'm all in with whatever else comes down the line, but I, I have missed the boat on Discovery, and I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, but I've heard and I've heard those complaints about it before. So you brought up Gail. Was there anything else about um, uh, Gail uh, that you want to talk about before we move on to? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't have a I don't have a huge issue with the casting. I thought mm -hmm. you know, the, the for all, overall, the like the fine. yeah, the actors are all they're doing their best. They're doing their mm -hmm. job. It's just it's hard for me to buy these characters as the people who they say they are because they just mm -hmm. don't act like people like a you know Gail. Dornick does not act like a mathematician. Have you right. met a mathematician? Yeah. You know, like, like they're, they're kind of strange people, but also kind of smart and socially awkward. You know, uh, like you have this thing where she you know, like counts prime numbers to calm herself for emotional coping mechanisms. It's like, like it's, again, it's people oh who don't. Uh, I don't remember where in the, where in the sequence of time this takes place, but my favorite conversation in this entire show, I don't remember if I texted you about this or not, but I, but I, but I absolutely love this. They're having a conversation about, uh, they're having like a conversation about like what knowledge to preserve or whatever. And she talks talking about like, okay, but like in what base system? Like oh, oh yeah. Oh. And, and they're like, and you know, and then some, one of the guys at the table, because it has to be a guy, is like, why are you getting caught up in the minutia of this argument? She was like, we're talking about deciding what knowledge to preserve, and we can't even decide on how we're going to count it. Yeah. Whereas I'm I sitting here that going, that's the kind of nerdy sci-fi stuff that I enjoy. Yeah. Whereas I'm sitting here going, you need all of these number systems because mm. all of your electronics, yeah, you, you know, we use base 10 a lot, but you know, base, base two, like binary that's used in all of your computers, base 16 hexadecimal that's used mm. in a lot of electronics. So, you know, anyone who has the smallest amount of knowledge about like it, how computer systems work mm -hmm. knows that you need to, to know multiple bases of yeah. things like yeah and yeah like, I, I get what you're saying it's it's an interesting idea but uh, this is kind of a mr wizard moment where you know if you know a bit more about how things actually work you're like yeah like like this wouldn't even be a discussion they would be like yeah totally we need we need to keep all these uh yes but there has to be a fat angry white male there to yell at her and yeah. she has to be um, smarter than him yeah and then and then there was you know water clock or sundial Okay. I don't yeah, it's like, I don't think you guys really understand how, how this was supposed to work. And anyway, the actual nuts and bolts of writing the encyclopedia was not really mm -hmm. important to the story. Like, no, that was all done off screen. Right. I did enjoy that one scene. Um, all right. Let's talk about, let's see if I get this right now. Lee, Leah Harvey as Salva Harden, who, <laughs> what was it that we just reviewed where, where we were laughing at everybody had, you know, everybody in the future has really odd couture outfits and, um, oh, uh, uh, Ian Flux. Ian Flux, yeah. The, she's another one with the puffy collar. Like, I don't yeah. understand like what, why they like like they're all using the same costume designer or you, mm -hmm. literally using the same costumes, just reusing them over and over. But you have Leah Harvey who plays um, Salvar Harden. Salvar Harden, and she's supposed to be like your hero of this picture, not Lee Pace, not not Jared Harris. It's her. She's. On the graphic that I'm using, she's the she's the one standing in front of the spire. She's the you know she kicks all kinds of butt. She's your action hero. She's your everything. Not to be unfair, she's not 
insufferable anyway. Yeah, I mean, she she does the role that has yeah. been written for her, you know, without any problems. Right. She she and she does it well. I look at her, I look at her costume design, I look at how they styled her hair. Uh, I look at her, um, the way they characterized her and the things she gets to do. And I'm just curious when, when they were developing this, who did they think this was going to be for and who did they think would, you know, enjoy that person as your lead action role? Like she's the hero of this picture, even though she, even though on the cast list that I have, she's like fourth billing, but she's the one that you spend the most time with when you're not dealing with Lee Pace or Jared Harris, you're with her. And I actually, I I found the stuff with her to be the most dull because I wasn't yeah. really in this to be, and I, I wasn't looking for a space, you know, opera, fantasy, action fair. I was looking for nerdy, we, you know, in the weed science fiction. And there's none of that with her. She's just, she, she's just, uh, you know, a character that looked like she belonged more in one of the Star Wars shows on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, again, it's them trying to punch it up a bit. Again, in, in the original, Salvar Hardin was just the mayor of Terminus. Like he was just a politician. Mm -hmm. You know, but here now she's the uh, the warden, so she gets to carry a big gun around and shoot at monsters and mm -hmm. you know get into kung fu fights with uh, <laughs> you know with 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 other other people and and yeah, you sort of lose out on the whole like this is a smart person. Mm. Who's trying to come up with a clever solution to an incredibly difficult problem? Yeah, like here, it's like, yo, how do we, how do we, how do we shoot them so they they can't <laughs> shoot us? As a again in the book, like they lose right off mm -hmm. the bat. Like the Anacreons just send an ambassador over, and he's just like, yeah, so we own you now. <laughs> the Empire's abandoned you. You know, this is all just a formality. Um, anything else you wanted to bring up before I have, I have one last question about, about yeah. the show. Um, one last beat that I wanted to deal with because they spend the second half of the entire series dealing with it. Uh, but is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Because as far as characters go, that's really the only people worth talking about. In my yeah. Opinion. Yeah. I mean, again, yeah. Yeah. Salvor Harden. Yeah. There's not a lot to her, despite mm -hmm. her having a lot of the show. It's just, she's the people, the person that everyone looks up to, to do the actiony stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's kind of it. And then they they're trying to set up something with her psychic abilities, mm -hmm. you know, crop, you know, manifesting themselves. Which again, it's not really as interesting as the foundation itself or the genetic dynasty. It's they're just sort of planting stuff for later in the show. But yeah, like I think the problem is they're trying to write these smart people, and they just write them as very flat and emotionless. I don't know if that's yeah. just how they view the intelligent. Where again, is is if you've hung around scientists or engineers, like. They are not boring people. Like they're <laughs> kind of somewhat eccentric and crazy in their own way. I mean, the boring people do exist, but yeah, I think that's kind of the biggest problem is like to say it very bluntly, I'm tired of having stupid people trying to write smart shows. Yeah. And, and, and I don't actually mean like you are like really stupid. It's just, you know, you're, you're trying to punch above your weight and it just ends up coming off as pretentious and flat. Like, can we please stop writing monologues? For the openings of episodes, I was going to say once again, David S. Goyer uh, was the person responsible. Let's see, he wrote the following: Terminator, Dark Fate, BVS, Dawn of Justice, Man of Steel. Um, he was he gets the story credit for The Dark Knight Rises. He wrote Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. Um, he has a story credit for The Dark Knight, which everyone loves. It doesn't really make my point for me, but the rest of this does. He wrote Jumper. 
Um, he wrote uh, Batman Begins, Blade Trinity, Blade Two, Blade Dark City. Oh, have you ever watched Dark City? No, actually, I've heard the, the good, good things about it. It it's a weird film. Um, yeah, The Crow, City of Angels, Puppet Masters, Kickboxer Two, and Death Warrant. Um, so you, boy, boy, do you get what you pay for with him? Yeah, it's uh not 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 a lot of uh, gems in in the rough there. There's a there's a few. Yeah, they're, oh, they're, not, they're not all bad movies, but yeah, he, he's he's writing uh, the Sandman show. Oh boy. Well, I can already see uh, if Robert has any investment in Sandman, what the next thing he's going to scream about is. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, like the the opening monologues in this, I thought were just so un untied to the story. Like mm-hmm. again, it just sounds like you know bunch of you know bunch of big words to make us sound smart. Star Trek Discovery has the same problem. You know, like the opening monologues are just to establish what's going on in the show so we can get mm-hmm. to the drama. You know, but no, they have to like you know read Tennyson or something out loud or Shakespeare. <laughs> so there's so the last thing I'm going to bring up, and I'm curious to see if this was in the book too. A lot of the second half of the series revolves around them, a bunch of like terrorists or whatever who are trying to fight the empire and bring it down, bring down the empire, which is already collapsing. Uh, but they need this big Death Star ship to do it, the Invictus. Which, yeah. Um, at least they, the way they handled it was kind of fun. There's a preset timer and it just jumps randomly to different places. It could jump to the other side of the universe. It could jump into a sun. It could jump into an asteroid field. Yeah. It could jump anywhere. So. You know, there's sort of an artificial tension with them on, you know, up against a ticking clock. Uh, and so the terrorists want this ship. They need the warden to make it happen for whatever the reasons are. Uh, yeah, they the need the they need the brain trust of the foundation. People actually know how to make the ship go. Yeah. So yeah, is that, that in the book yeah. at all? Um, somewhat. It was more they already had the Invictus or at least mm-hmm. an, an old Imperial warship. And yeah, it was, you know, Foundation, we want you to send us some of your experts so that we can fix the ship up and use it to, you know, establish our, our fiefdom in the periphery of the galaxy away from the Empire. The and way again, they they, up, the way they set it up in the show, I thought they were going to attack the Capitol. Like, yeah, that I was, was, that, I that that was, was fin- I thought the finale was going to be the Invictus versus, you know, like Lee Pace and his army, like. None of that happens. They go in a completely different direction. Yeah, yeah. Harry Seldon just uh, tells them what the real history was. They all believe him, and then they join hands, you know, and, <laughs> and forward an alliance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know, it's because the world would just be so much better if everyone just got along. Because we say yes. so. They all. Yeah, I mean, they, it would be now, nice. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. They all now worship the TikTok meme. Do you want to form an alliance? Pretty much. Yeah. So, so yeah, like the, there was a warship and there was, they needed the foundation to fix it up, but it was just, you know, like you guys are coming and doing this anyway, because we own you and could mm-hmm. beat you up on it too. And yeah, then, as I said earlier, then they sort of, you know, create the phony religion around it and uh, use that to basically usurp control of, of the whole mm-hmm. Anacrea and uh, kingdom. So, so the foundation gets the fleet after that. All right. Um, my last word on this, and then you can have the last, last word. It's okay. Um, I wanted to talk about it with you. I'm glad I, I watched it. I need a break from some of the other stuff we've been doing. I was curious about it, and I feel like the only way that... Yeah, I, like, I'm curious about a show. The only way I ever get a chance to watch it is if someone is willing to talk about it with me, because then it forces me to watch it. Um, you know, I've been talking about wanting to watch The Flight Attendant for a year now, and nobody wants to talk about that show, so I never get a chance to watch it. I'm two or three episodes into The Lost Symbol, 
and no one wants to talk about that either. So guess what? I haven't finished. But um, yeah. so it was kind of. So I'm glad that I that David has sort of stepped into the. I'll do all the science fiction shows. That's fine for the uh, most part. Realm with me, and I got a chance to watch this. And after you know, look, not every Christian said on this show once. Not everything has to be a one or a ten. Some things can just be fives. This is a solid five. Yeah, not, I'd say it it it, it. it 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 makes it makes me my heart bleed to to <laughs> give it a five because this is one of the great classic works of sci-fi. Like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like we 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 got like the perfect Dune adaptation this year. Dune mm-hmm. fans won, but yeah, Foundation. I think we're we're still waiting. Yep. All right. Anything else about this that you wanted to say? Any uh, last word? Yeah, like it's like you say, it's it's not terrible, but it's not great. And I think it 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 fails to capture what made the original work so interesting and it's compelling. Very much a product of its time in terms of how television shows are developed. Like I yeah. just I just went back and listened to our Cowboy Bebop review and I'm kind of hearing like there's definitely a pattern developing in a lot of these streaming streaming shows where and, and Robert said it about Cowboy Bebop and I think it applies to this too because it, it also came up in our lock and key review where it's like they don't know how to write good solid stories so they just manufacture surface level tension and yeah, that and seems to just, qualify as drama. Yeah, or, or or like big emotional moments that don't right. really have that much lead up. They're just kind of there, and you're they just kind of beat you over the head with the force of yeah of the moment. Uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's cheap cheap drama over like the big ideas, which is unfortunate. But I would say like I treat this foundation as this is this is David Goyer's foundation. This is not Isaac Asimov's foundation. I mean, I don't know if there are anything else going behind the scenes, like maybe just. Mm-hmm. You know, they're buried in notes and these were the changes they had to make to bring the story to fruition like i i don't always just want to assume you know though the one writer is entirely at fault but uh but yeah this it, it is not a faithful adaptation of foundation that captures the spirit of the original as someone mm-hmm. who who appreciates that book again not the biggest foundation fan but i certainly appreciate it for what it was uh like for me, like my, my biggest question was actually because I was familiar with the original book. So I, I I know just how much they dragged out things in the middle of the show. Mm-hmm. And that was just painful for me. Like I, I'm, I'm Millhouse sitting here, you know, where are they going to get to the fireworks factory <laughs> sort of thing? But but for, for you, Mark, as someone who is not familiar with the source material, like, like how was it for you? Like, did it capture your interest at all? Or was it just kind of boring blah or between or it's kind of like if like if i didn't know these were based on isaac asimov's short stories uh you know or books if i were if, if i didn't know anything and someone just sat me down and watched this and like so what do you think and i'm like i think someone saw how successful game of thrones was and decided <laughs> okay but what about space and no tits that's that's foundation <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Good. Actually, I, I saw an article like, "Yo, Wolf is Foundation the next Game of Thrones?" And I'm like, now I understand everything that's wrong with Foundation because Foundation <laughs> is not Game of Thrones. No, but everyone be. wishes it would be. Everyone that is, you know. So I'll relate this story, and then I'm going right into the next plug, and then we're going into sure out of here. So years ago, when Die Hard came out, Die Hard was like the sleeper hit. Like it was made. I don't know if you've watched the documentary on it. Uh, the, the movies that made us. Yeah, yeah, I've seen they, that one. Yeah, <laughs> they made it. Um, they had no idea. They had no idea that Bruce Willis would blow up and become an action star. They had no idea the thing was going to be a hit. This thing almost didn't get made. 
But then it, it you know, but it it's one of those movies like Star Wars or Jaws that fundamentally changes Hollywood for a while to yeah. where everything became this is die hard on a boat, this is die hard on a plane, this is die hard in a mall, die yeah. you know, everything is die hard in Star Trek, right? Which was a really good movie. Um it happened also with speed. For a while, mm -hmm. there was this pattern of this is speed on a boat, speed on a plane, speed on a bus, speed on a this, speed on a that. You know, where there are just certain movies that influence, you know, everything now, once they find something that resonates with the public, they have to do a million different versions of that same yeah, thing. Yeah, the, 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 the saying I heard is, you know, in Hollywood, everyone's racing for second place. Yeah. You know, so Harry, Harry Potter's a big fan. What, what, what can we make that's like Harry Potter? Right. And then like every YA book that might have a little bit of magic in it gets made, you yeah. know, into, because they think everything, you know, has the possibility of being the next billion dollar YA idea. Um, I feel like with a lot of television, like especially like this, I think people saw like the success of Game of Thrones, but we don't have Game of Thrones anymore. That's gone now. And so there's a need to sort of fill that gap with something. So it's like I can see the elevator pitch for this, you know, like, hey, we need to we need to put crap on our streaming service so people will buy it. Okay, well, what do you got? Well, we got we. How about Game of Thrones, but it's space. Oh, okay. Does anyone does anyone like get naked, sleep with their siblings, or throw a child out a window? No, it's a lot of math. We'll take the math out. <laughs> and, yeah. give, and, and and give me some more drama. Um, and let's get a female, you know, ass kicking action star in there, and we're sold. And David Goyer was like, "Can I have Batman punching Superman with a sink?" Like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we make foundation with blackjack and hookers? In fact, forget the blackjack <laughs> and the foundation. There you go. All right. Um. So with that, I mean, now we're we're in it now. So we got to do season two whenever that comes out. And apparently, and I was just reading about this while you were talking. Um. David Goyer said that they're hopefully over the course of eighty episodes, eighty hours, as opposed to trying to condense it into all two or three hours for a single film. Goyer said that this format might not succeed, but if it did, it would be unique. So they're like planning for eight seasons of this, roughly. Yeah, uh, but, we'll see. I yeah, mean, I mean I given, given I how they did the, yeah, given how they did the first season, I think like they are not maximizing how the, the format for this story. Yeah, I, I will see what Apple does. Like, I don't know. Netflix cancels stuff for some really bizarre reasons. It, like, it really catches people off guard. So I'll be curious to see if this one ends up getting. It's been renewed for a second season. Let's see if it gets to eight or not. Um, might be the like the longest thing we've ever reviewed. Uh, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Apple Apple has the money to fund it if they want to, even if it sure. if it's not popular. I, I have no idea what the numbers are on it at all. But um, all right. Well, with that said, that is our review of Foundation. Before we go, I just want to remind everybody. Um, I wish the music could have been better in this. As a matter of fact, if you're looking for some good music, where uh, giving away a free 30-day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. Uh, the link is getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network. Over 70 million songs for you to stream for free for a month if you choose, if you click the link. We certainly encourage you to do so. We use it all the time on the Metal Hammer, Hammer of Doom. It's great. Uh, we stand by it. And, now, you know, and if you don't trust me, you should at least give it a shot. Uh, try it for free. If you don't like it, you can cancel it. If you do, you keep it. You pay the monthly fee like you would do Spotify or Apple Music. Again, that's getamazonmusic.com slash W2M network. Alrighty, Dave. Um, a, week in, a week and a day from now. Hang on. That's March. <laughs> a week and a day from now, 
January 7th, you and I will be talking the finale season of Lost in Space. Hooray! Yay! And then, um, allegedly, you'll be on... I hope you are, because if not you, then I don't think anybody else is going to be on this show, and then I won't be doing it. Uh, You'll be on for Cobra Kai Season 4 on January 10th. Um, And then, I think you said you wanted to be on The Witcher show. Yeah, I put you in there. Uh, so then January 13th, you're on for The Witcher. Um, and then January 31st, you're on for Agresco season, season four. So lots of David. This was the month of David here, here in yeah, January. A lot, a lot of stuff in my wheelhouse came, yep. came up. Okay. It's all freaking at once. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting <laughs> getting through all that. Yeah, welcome to my life. Uh, in the meantime, myself and Alexis Hayner finally got our Animaniacs Looney Tunes show done today. So that's now in the archives. Um, tomorrow, we're re-airing our Cobra Kai Season 2 review. On Sunday, uh, Saturday, rather, um, January 1st, 2022, we've got my kids and I doing re-airing our Tom and Jerry the movie co- commentary. And then myself and Jesse, we're re-airing the Weirdo Yank of a Career Retrospective. Uh, we're kicking off the year with some new content. We've got Billionaire Island by Mark Russell, You Season 3, um, another Spider-Man roundtable, uh, Sean Comer trying to get in 24 podcasts in a year, starting off with a triple feature for Titan, El Camino, and Christine. Vroom is the, is the theme there. Um, the Podsman will be doing a review of WWE Day 1, assuming everyone doesn't have COVID in that company. And uh, in the evening, myself and Robert Winfrey were doing a Damn You Hollywood uh, for Don't Look Up and Being the Ricardos. I actually just watched before we went live tonight. Um, January 5th, we're reviewing Bandmade, Unseen World, which came out almost a year ago and seems to be getting some traction online. Uh, Thursday night, myself, Evan Bevins, and Ronnie Adams will be reviewing Prisoners of Ghostland, Shadows in the Cloud, and Out of Death. Uh, while we're waiting for all that to happen, check out our reviews of The Matrix Resurrections, all two and a half hours of it. The Kingsman, much less than that. The Hateful Eight, and uh, David and I reviewing Ghost in the Shell, Aeon Flux, and Ex Machina. All right, Dave, thanks for coming on again. I always enjoy talking to you, and then we'll be talking a lot over the course of January. Yeah. Um, any shout outs you want to give before we go? Uh, no, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Just uh, wishing everyone a happy new year and a safe holiday season and yeah we'll talk to you talk to you after that yep all right everyone be well be safe and behave